share with our listeners what that actually. I know at this point anybody that's your social media following, so the podcast goes everywhere. So share what that is and give us. So I did have yeah, I had a beautiful, um, a really great. I've always had bad legs. I I've worked two or three jobs at a time. I was a dancer when I was younger, and I I inherited these terrible um, knees. So from my mama, and I had a knee replacement and um, my right knee. And it was awesome. I had a great orthopedic surgeon, and it just was a perfect surgery. And so it's going to mean that I can have a little sunlight, a really sunlight, but no pain in my right leg that I've been dealing with for years. And so about a month after that, when I was in the healing process, I had a really tragic fall, and I um, just took one step wrong, and my whole leg went out underneath me, behind me, and I tore the whole quad out. And it was a pretty tragic injury. Had I not had the injury, I wouldn't be an amputee today. So, um, because the knee replacement had gone so well, but they uh, did a surgery and we like, tried to fix my quad and we did that for a, a short time to save amputee and it didn't. Um, but we still tried to get through it and you know do some physical therapy and, and just try to make the best of it. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, in January of 2019, I was just working and I uh, had my leg brace on and everything, and I just tripped in the parking lot. Now my leg kind of gave out on me and. And I fell, and that was kind of the end of it. I ended up being for months in a hospital in Scottsdale, and uh, just waiting for a surgeon that would then go in and take a look at it and see what we do. And we ended up resigning to ourselves doing a full leg revision in February of 2019, which was, you know, the option was to get an amputation or to try this leg revision. And I had a very upcoming surgeon that was I really trusted and I felt really great about, and really, really did try. We did everything. It was an incision from my ankle up to my thigh. I uh, could have a tendon that's in bone and uh, muscle grafts and bone grafts. It was a pretty extensive surgery. We'd only ever done one before. And so uh, it required a lot of <clears throat> hospital time and then got an infection. And I spent probably almost five months in the hospital in 2019 and uh, just trying to get through that leg revision, hoping to get some quality of life and be able to walk on it again. And it just uh, didn't take integrity of the of the quad just wasn't there and so after a few months after the surgery and trying to see how the recovery would go um, just had to make the decision to uh, amputate in December so I had a lot of time to think about it and a lot of time to research it and talk to my family and what it would entail for everybody and, and it just you know it was really the only option that worked for us because the dream is to walk again right <laughs> so it was you know with all of the modern technology as far as prosthetics and you know people are just I mean you know people have set the bar pretty high there's a lot of people that are mountain climbing and doing all these things I'm like that's I just want to walk <laughs> they're like oh look there's a but you know what like, <laughs> but you know what I've also seen some amazing stories where people don't have their limbs either they were in a tragic accident yeah. disease or were born without limbs and they're still achieving the same things as someone that would have their limbs yeah. I look up those stories of encouragement every single day. Like I, I go online and I, because I'm still in the process right now. I just had the, the amputation done in December, and so and now because of the um, coronavirus, like all of my, um, all of the, the surgeries that were supposed to happen be, be happening right now have all been postponed. So it did set me back about. We were hoping to be walking in a in a walking um, prosthetic within a year of my surgery, but it looks like it's going to be about six months out. But I'm in a wheelchair right now, and I have been since uh, December, but, you know, I, I have a lot of hope, and so I spend a lot of, now that we all have this extra time <laughs> at home, I am. So you're in a wheelchair, 
So you're, I'm sorry, so you're in a wheelchair where you're used to having a certain way of maneuvering around within your home, and now you've got a larger uh, piece of, we're going to call it furniture, that's movable. Yes, uh, yes. So you've had to adapt completely with this while you're yes. going wait in the time frame that you have to. You're taking a mom who's been like, I always like was such a pride in myself being such a dynamic woman who was part of her community and did a lot of outreach, and, I, and I've always worked to it jobs and I've just been involved with my kids' schools and sports and I was so active I never never sat still. So this was a big lesson in how to just sit back and just reevaluate everything because now I'm in a chair. I rely one hundred percent on the help of others. Like if I didn't have my wheelchair I couldn't move throughout my home. I couldn't I have to have help getting in and out of a shower. I have to have help with cooking. There's you know I'm very independent still and that there's so much I'm doing right now. My kids, if you ask my kids it's as if nothing's changed. They just, they just think of looking at me as the same mom. It's like, oh yeah, she's fine. She, she can do it. You know, they don't, they don't look at me any different. But it's different. You know, when you're used to being out there and you're used to running around, it is. It has been challenging. But I just don't ever lose hope. I just feel like this is a, this is how my life is supposed to be. I feel like it happened for a reason. And I feel like you know, I look at everybody else's inspirational stories. People like you said that have had no limbs. And, one limit. I've lost limbs and children. I've seen, watched a little child put their prosthetic on his head when yeah. two years old. <laughs> he's just throwing it on his leg. He's just, that's his life. And so it's yeah. so inspiring. I don't ever feel like, I don't feel like, like a victim of anyone. Well, I love the way that you say the word victim because there's so many people, especially right now, who, like I said earlier, there's a button that's been pushed. Every single person on this planet has been, has to adapt to the change. And whether we like it or not, that is what everyone has been affected by it. When you talk about the change as far as the wheelchair and then you're looking forward to, you know, the process of doing the prosthetic, we'll talk about that in a minute. The one thing that I tell everybody, because I have my own story with the passing of my, my daughter, Nicole, of us being in a tragic car accident, is my life changed. But in this phrase, I always say, just because something different has happened to you doesn't mean you have to act differently, treat it differently. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing with the mobility yeah, I'm sure you got fresh in the beginning because it was something that you weren't used to having, and now you are. And well, I had, like, a dark time. Yeah, there was a dark time right afterwards. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, am I going to go into, like, a really deep depression over this? Because I just felt so overwhelmed with all of the change at once. I mean, losing a limb is so altering. It's, of, like, it's such a crazy thing. I remember coming out of surgery and looking down at my body and thinking, I've been looking at that leg for 50 years, you know, and all of a sudden you don't have that leg there and it's just so surreal. And so I just, but like, I, I remember thinking, I remember thinking to myself, like, you have two choices and like, you can succumb to this and you can let it just be different and change who you are, or you can be exactly who you've always been. It doesn't change who I am inside. It doesn't change that I'm a giver and a lover and a kind person and compassionate. Like I can still do, I just have to modify how I'm going to affect the world. I knew that I was always going to do things for others and that was a huge part of my life and that's when maybe when my kids look at it this look at me at the same because I really didn't I had to make a really quick decision to, to, to how I was gonna how I was gonna let it affect my life. And I just chose to realize that it's just it's just my body. It doesn't change my mind. It doesn't change where my heart is. It doesn't change how I want to live my life or how I want my children to see me. And so it, it, it was it was luckily it happened from sooner than later. You know, some people spent years being in a depression and you know, of course it's just it, everybody it affects everybody differently. But for me, I, because I had so many kids looking to me 
and you're waiting to see how I was going to react and how, what, how are we going to do this now? Is this ship going down? And I think <laughs> when I, they're like, here's, okay, what, how are you doing this? And when they saw that it was like, okay, okay together. it's Christmas time, here we go. And then that was it. And there's just so much more good than there's bad in the world that if you just, there's so much to focus on, right? And you have to just, but you have to make a conscious decision to do it. You really just have to, you have to just say, this is what I'm going to do. You have to push yourself because the pain is there. The, 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 you know, it's inconvenient. It's hard to rely on others. Everybody else is busy and has their own, have their own lives going on. Even right now through this coronavirus, like, can you imagine you're stuck at home? I can't drive yet. I don't have any way to get around. And so here are all my friends who are struggling to take care of their own families during this really uncertain time. And then well, what do I do? Then I, now I have to ask for help from others and say, okay, I know you're, you know, looking for toilet paper for your own family, but you know, I need your help. <laughs> and so it was, it's a really difficult thing, but you know, luckily there's just, there's an abundance of good in our community. And so of believe course, it. community is huge. Community is all of us. It's all of us who are speaking. And if you find the negative or you want to blame whatever the situation is for yourself or with our country, blaming is not going to it's not going to fix the problem. It's the community coming together as people who are caring about our lives and getting back onto some sort of normalcy, whatever the time frame is. And for someone, you know, and I think about this all the time, my children, my son, of course, my surviving son is, is an adult now, has his own life. But there are families who's, who are in these four walls in quarantine, and there's some negative going on behind the walls, but there's also some positive too and it's like this is a reset a hard reset on so many different levels for so many people globally and personally and professionally it's a matter of okay so you had this happen to you what are you going to do about it because looking at what could have been is not going to be what it is right. and we so, spend a lot of time trying to figure out how things happen and why things happen and i think some people focus so much like right now it's like well where did this virus originate who are we going to blame and it's yes. blame and i'm thinking why are we focusing like, I realize that we want to make sure that we, you know, set ourselves up in the future, but it really, to me, is more about, like, how are we going to treat each other now, and what are we going to do now? And so that's how I look at everything in my life. Like, I'm not, I'm less concerned about how the hows and the whys, and more about, like, okay, what? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we going to do now? Like, let's forget about how we got it. Absolutely. And there's a lot of other stories that are going to be taking place because I love, like I said, to share stories to help other people. And here is another time where there's going to be so many new stories being made. Oh, sure. And I'm, I'm going to love to hear those stories, too. Um, with the transition, we're going to go back with you, the wheelchair, and you talked about um, being six months out um, with a prosthetic. Share with me what that entails, because you're going from having a leg, not a leg, in a wheelchair. Now you're going to get back up to say, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to do this walking thing again. Is there a process, a time frame? What is there? Yeah, so what happens is you get the leg um, amputated, then you have to wait for that incision to heal. It's a pretty huge incision. During that time, they're trying to feed a lot of blood and everything to your to that limb lots that's trying to heal. And they've cut through a femur. Mine isn't above the knee, which is a little more intensive because now I don't have that joint there or anything. So what would have typically happen is I would, this is almost healed now. I did have like a severe infection that kept me in the hospital. I had four more surgeries after my at original amputation in December, four more to kind of get the infection out. We took a little bit more every time of my leg. And so now I'm um, the infection's cleared. And so what we were looking at is I have to have another surgery to kind of make it more of a cone shape of a leg. And then they'll start wrapping it and they'll start forming it. And then you get to start with fittings. And it's you work with someone that um, a, a specialist that will go in and because as you lose weight, as your as your leg changes shape, 
it has to fit so perfectly on your prosthetic that you have to go through it. You have a huge relationship with this prosthesis person that is going to then go in and keep fitting you and fitting you and fitting you while you're getting these additional surgeries and you'll get like different um, forms that will go over your leg because you, there's just such a room for, um, you know, there's infection that can come back, there's, you can get uh, different types of abrasions and different types of swelling. So it is just going to be a matter of just working with somebody to get, now that I feel like it's um, healed completely, now we're going to do these couple new surgeries, we'll wait for those to heal. So the process is really just intensive. It's just waiting for time to go by. You, know, you get the new surgery, you let it heal, and you start doing the fittings. Then um, you get your, you know, your first leg you can try. There's all different types of legs. You know, my kids are all teasing me, like, what are you going to get? <laughs> my little three-year-old, she just happened to see this, this adorable gentleman that was like a, a war vet. And he had one of the very, very old prosthetics that is like a real, looks like a human leg. It's got this fake looking like human. She says, I want you to have that one. That one is so cool, Mom. And she was just oh, so cute. You know, she wants me to have that child. one. She does not like the robot leg. Like, because that's really probably what I'm getting is like the metal prosthetic that looks kind of like just a piece of machinery. And she just is not having that. She's like, she wants me to have the real leg that has the skin. She likes the Barbie leg. She calls it the Barbie leg. So, you know, my kids are very comfortable talking about me. We laugh, we joke, they, they say, you know, mom, don't worry, you're going to get on your feet, on your foot, you know, they, we have a lot of jokes like that around our house, nobody, nothing offends me, nothing bothers me, it's just, it's a long process, and the thing is, it's, one day, I'll tell you this really quick, my daughter reached out, and she said, she was touching my leg, and uh, the big, huge scar that I have, and she's three, and she was like, oh, I just love your leg, I said, but it's scary, and she says, no, it's just so beautiful, I just love it. Do you want to add tears in my eyes? And she's like, Yeah, it kind of looks like a hot dog. Because <laughs> we just started laughing so hard because here she is at three. She's not afraid of it. She's not, she doesn't think it's weird. She, to me, that's like, this is her normal. You know, this is all she's known about me. This has been a couple years of her life, of her mom being in hospitals and getting this done. So for her to touch it and kiss it and, and put her arms around it, like, this is just who her mom is. You know, and so for her to say something so cute, like, I had to write it for me. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> it does kind of look like hot dog. <laughs> you know, innocence of a child is always good. If we could all look with innocence with, right. with others at the same time, we would have such a more peaceful life within us or around us. Yeah. Now, we had talked previous to this call. You had mentioned that your daughter, what is your youngest daughter's name? Her name is Ryan. So Ryan actually spent a good portion of the time with you in the hospital, right? Oh, yeah. It was really neat because the part of my process was to be in rehab for many months and because uh, I had the infections and everything. So they just keep you in rehab. And the rehab was a very open facility where they wanted family to be there as much as possible and your family could visit 24-7. So they did allow her to stay with me. And because she was so young, we just felt it was, you know, some people disagreed and thought that it was a lot for a kid to be in a hospital setting. But I had a private room and, and, um, and there wasn't any way, you know, we weren't painting our room or anything. But I brought baskets of toys. She had a little bed in there. And I thought, you know, this is, I mean, the, my little girl can tell you what, uh, you know, what a, a, a blood pressure cuff is <laughs> and what, you know, a stethoscope is. I mean, so while it was a lot for some people to think that that was a lot to expose a child to, she just really absorbed it all, and she's so bright, and she is such compassion for people. I really think that it might have been life-changing for her. Like, I think that it's something that she'll look back on, and we really bonded during that time she was there. She did all of my, um, she took my temperature there. The nurses let her use all the equipment, and they let her do everything. They let her pump the blood pressure cup. They let her, she learned how to do it all. I mean, and, not I mean, me, and she's not afraid. 
Yeah, she might be in the medical in the future. That's you know, what like, she always tells you. Well, she ended up getting like four doctors' kids after that. She's everybody's getting, a, and all of her Barbies have one leg. All of her stuffed animals have one leg. She has bandages, and they, she's cut the legs and pulled the legs off of every single toy. <laughs> I would have never thought that. You know, we've got the ideal Barbie doll. Yeah, I did get that. Someone did get that for me as a gift, and she loves it. And there's a wheelchair Barbie now that's awesome. But like, she just started saying, like, Hey, this one looks like you, and this, you know, and and so she'd take the leg off. If you, I'm looking down in her room right now, and there's three dolls in front of me that have one leg. <laughs> it's just that's her norm, you know. And so, I mean, it might not be for everybody, but for me, it was just I wasn't going to give up the time with her. And, yeah, and she's doing this together. And you know what? When they say that you can have family members, you know, we're in this time of quarantine where there's a limitation with people being there, and I feel that physical contact, physical presence helps the healing of our, our lives, whatever the people get as far as healing. So that's great that she was able to be there and you know, to, to have a child and the innocence of it is just a, a miracle as well. She gets a lot of rides in a wheelchair. We go everywhere. She's got, you know, she just sits on my on my good leg and I chew her around in my wheelchair wherever we're going so much because she's like, hurry, put me on your wheelchair. We get there faster. She's just really sweet about it. And it's really been like the sunshine in my life. Like all of my kids have been amazing. They've been super supportive. They help me with everything. But, and my friends, of course, you know, I'd be lost without them. But uh, the baby has just been really just pure medicine for me. <laughs> yes, I can actually Um, I wanted to, to mention something real quick. Too, because we had a conversation, you know, there's the yeah, social and physical distancing that we have been having to practice for, I want to say we're in a month, but this a little bit longer. And if I understand correctly, I'd seen a post, uh, remember correctly, it was a post that one of your children had a birthday. Yeah, that was just the other day. <laughs> she had a birthday party. Yeah, she was turning 11. She turned 11. And that's a really critical age for kids. They're just so used to being around their friends and having, um, you know, just parties, right? They're still into, like, doing the big birthday party. And so, obviously, that wasn't going to happen this year. And I had noticed that other families had taken the opportunity to do, like, a parade of family and friends that could go by and beat their horns and make it kind of fun. So, we did plan this whole thing where there'd be a bunch of cars and a lot of people signed up because I don't have a ton of family or friends here. So a lot of other communities signed up to come and they were going to get their cars and do a bunch of balloons. Well, on the day of, of course, because of, you know, there's so much fear involved with, you know, the uncertainty of what's going on around us, right? Um, more of cases every day. And so people are really kind of backing out of things that they typically would say, oh my gosh, this is where my heart is. But they you know there's just so much pressure to not do things, which I understand so on the morning of her of her um, parade uh over almost 15 people canceled and so that was over half the parade so i was really panicking I'm like oh no i planned this whole thing and she's all dressed up but this is an hour before and so i called the gilbert police department and i said hey i don't know where i got the idea because i had somebody else do it but i thought you know what my daughter just loves she just really respects the police department the fire department uh, she has you know just respect for them and and uh they still have a lot of her school and so i said would you guys possibly be able to come by our home i know this is crazy if you're busy if it's you know if you're obviously if you're busy i understand but if you're not and you're driving around could you swing by our house we have this parade going on i know it sounds crazy and they sent me over to another department and about three different uh, officers called me back from the fire department and uh, gilbert pd and they sure sure enough they came by and with the sirens and all of their um, bells and whistles and all of their stuff, all their lights, and they came down the road and they stopped right in front of her house. They got out and they gave her a badge. 
and they hugged her. And I mean, and that was where it all started. It was like they got by, you know, they came out and wished her happy birthday just before the rest of the parade. And then one of the police officers said, can I please have my photo with your daughter? I would love that. Of course, we wanted it too. And we originally started distanced apart. And then just before the picture was supposed to be taken, um, she kind of leaned in by him and put his arm by her. And she knows she kind of leaned up, put her arm around him. And then I took the picture. And I posted it. And I got a lot of flag <laughs> for it. But what my... You know, I'm sorry. I, the <laughs> story about this, I'm loving this. It's, you know, someone can look at it as a negative thing or a positive. And you've already got, you've just shared with us, you've got all of your other concerns in the now with your health personally inside. And we've got the social distancing. And it's like, okay, we still are important people. We still have those milestones and those parts on the calendars that say, this is an important day for me. And... I want to commend, one, you, because it wasn't about you. It was about you making sure your daughter was going to have a memorable birthday. And, of course, our we call them our first responders. But in this time right now, they're, they're, they're on the front lines. And they are still people going out there to make sure, no matter what someone else's opinion is going to be, that they're still important on that day, even though some changes have been temporarily made. And I think that's wonderful. I'm glad you shared that story. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have a neighbor next door, and I'm looking out my window as we're talking, and I'm laughing because I'm hearing your story about a parade. The lady next door just turned 100 years old, and there's a parade of cars in front of the house honking and giving balloons. So I know what you did for your daughter. I think it's just a way to make people feel like, to not like celebrate, because of course, you know, we missed, all, everyone missed Easter, right? It was like, oh, what are we going to do? We're all missing Easter. But, you know, it's just Easter, right? So I did, there was kind of like, okay, this is just a birthday, but the kids are really scared right now. Like with everything my kids have gone through with, with their mom being in hospital and, you know, there's all the different chaos in the world and we're trying to make them feel like, okay, we're going to be okay. This is going to be okay. And so it was my way of telling her, like, this, I have a daughter, she's pretty anxious in spirit and she gets nervous very easily. And I just wanted her to say, like, okay, we have to change some things and it can't be like it used to be and we're not having much friends over but here you have the support network here are these people that love you and care about you and this is our community and and i was just so it was such a, an awesome feeling that they came they didn't have to come i know they're super swamped it was a great feeling to, to see her face light up and see them you know so yeah was it did i know that she shouldn't have been standing next to him of course it just we're not okay. used to it yet we're not prepared for what that feels like right like we're not this hasn't become such the norm for us already that like right. we can't be by any other human being we're just so used to leaning in and taking our picture and so and you know i got a lot of bad mom grief you know from people about it but i didn't pull the picture down because i thought you know i did the best i could i planned the party because i wanted to you know respect the fact that this is what we're doing <laughs> you could go on and on, but we're running out of time. I, okay. I, I, in one minute, you've got one minute. What message would you like to give to the listeners based on everything you've been experiencing? And this is something for the rest of your life. And some what I tell my children, what's really important to me, I think, is that in the middle of where everything could be super negative, there's so much negative, there's always way more good the world than there ever could be negative and the good is always going to prevail i always tell my children that no matter if you're a good person in your heart and you do your best and you have compassion and you do what you can you could have nothing i always tell my kids most i've ever given in my life is when i had nothing and so that's been this past year i've had nothing in my of myself to give but this is the one i've given the most and so if i'm doing that others are doing that there's just so much good and so if you just focus on that and you remind yourself that even though there's going to be this little 
things that will try to get you down that, you know, it really is, it doesn't, I know it sounds cliche, but there is more good. There just is more good, and good is always going to prevail. I believe that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you. I mean, we could go on and on, but I'm yeah. trying to do that because it's not good. But how enlightening to have met you in 2018 to hear the struggles, but then become joy in it too. So thank you, Shannon, for being my thank guest. You. And you are, I'm very inspired by you, so thank you for taking the time with me. Your story in and of itself is just, you're just an inspirational woman, and we're all better because of you being here. Thank you, and I can say that about a lot of other people too. So again, thank you for sharing your story, being vulnerable, inspiring, healing, and definitely to give hope. Yes. I Oh, wow, thank you. You have no idea how much this helped me. Um, and I'm hoping that it helped our listeners, too. And uh, to my listeners, I thank you for listening. Please subscribe so that you can get the next story that comes about because they just keep getting better and better. You can <laughs> you can find me on Spotify, um, Stories of Hope, or on anchor.fm. And I will share it also on my Facebook social media page. Follow You'll just see how there is a lot of hope in this world by just sharing a story or letting someone else know that you care. Until next time, everyone, we will get through this coronavirus. I do wish you all well.